market. The S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is flying high. No, not the movie. A little bit of corporate travel. We'll get to that in a minute. As always, I'm Scott Phillips, and with me is the currently silent but soon verbose Dr. Nirvan Mahati. G'day, Doc. How are you? Good day, Captain. How are you? I'm very, very well. And yourself? Oh, I'm good. A bit cynical. You are a bit cynical. I am morning. very We've cynical. We've been talking off well, air, and I don't, want to, I don't want to draw back the curtain too far. Yep. Suffice it to say, I'm expecting a fired up Doc Mahanti today. Yes. Let's do it. Is that what we're going to get? Yep. I am ready. <laughs> oh, dear. Listen, sorry in advance, or you're welcome in advance, man. How will I have badly this goes? <laughs> we shall see. Mate, a massive, massive, massive week of earnings this week. I think yesterday, so we're recording this on Friday morning, the 23rd. Yesterday, I think, was the biggest day of earnings we're going to see in earnings season. Certainly lots and lots of stuff going on. We're going to go through a bit of a Cook's tour through earnings season this week, not this month, this week. One more week to go, so we'll be back next week with more earnings. We'll also, as always... Dip into the Fool mailbag. Lots coming up. Stay tuned. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. All right, mate. Earnings season. I mentioned at the top it was all about flying high. Now, we had Qantas release earnings this week, Flight Centre, Webjet, and corporate travel management, the entire airline industry, other than Virgin, was out this week. I have to note, of course, also that Qantas is trialling or going to trial non-stop flights to, is it London, New York, from memory? So there's going to be New York. I read about this. And it was on Wall Street Journal. Talk about coverage. Wow, yes. It, uh, New York. Kudos for the PR team at Qantas. Awesome. <laughs> They're flying their brand new 787. I read about this. And yeah. I love these things. 787 being flown from Seattle to New York. Mate, if we had a, if we had a better soundtrack uh, budget, we'd have the Alicia Keys, now you're in New York thing. Now you're in New York. That would go yeah. to the top of this one. Yeah. So and just imagine that listens as, as Doc keeps talking. And then the flight, the plane is going to fly with 40 people with limited luggage and limited food. That doesn't, <laughs> the limited food part is actually a bit scary with all sorts of things connected to these people. These are all employees, apparently. Uh, and University of Sydney and University of Monash, I believe, and pardon me if I got the universities wrong, um, they're running uh, research <laughs> on how people's brain feels when you put them on a 19-hour flight from New York to Sydney. But I think it's really awesome that actually Qantas is doing this. So, you know, uh, kudos to them. Uh, Then there is another flight being planned from London to Sydney. That's phenomenal. Test flights. You know what? I'm signing up. I don't know about you. People say 19-hour flight, don't want to do that. I want to. If I can avoid a a layover in LA or Frankfurt or, you know, somewhere, I would happily sign up for a 19-hour flight. Once I'm in the seat, just leave me in the seat. I'll get out at the end. No one loves traveling unless you're flying at the very pointy end and I haven't done that. I, I was going to say, be... maybe you fly first class. That's <laughs> yeah. why you want to be in the plane for That'd like solve. longer. That'd solve everything, wouldn't it? <laughs> I just, it just kind of, I, if, I'm, if I'm going to fly for you know, 19 or 20 in total anyway and have an hour stopover, I get out, grab my bags, trundle into some locked off, air-conditioned airport in the middle of nowhere and then back on the plane. And I just want to get it over and done with, mate. I'm going to sign up for the 19-hour flight. I'm on the other side, you know. Yeah. I, I'm going to do 10 hours to Hong Kong or, yeah. well, maybe Singapore now. <laughs> that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. But, you know, 10 hours to somewhere <laughs> and then I can do another 10 hours from there. But I oh. just can't see doing 19 hours. That but you don't like, even get to do anything in Hong Kong. You get out of the thing, you're, you're in the second little security pen, you've got to scan your bags in and out. How about the real air? 
You don't get the real air. That's the problem. I was still half real air. This is like completely <laughs> fake. Like other people are breathing. All their germs are being circulated. Just think oh. about this, this germs circulating for 19 hours. Uh, we have a massive week of earnings and we've got it on a tangent about Qantas flights and, and staying in Hong Kong or Singapore. Uh, so let's get back to earnings. I love Qantas. Of uh, all, not, the, not the stock. I'm, I'm a Qantas frequent flyer. I'm a big fan. I uh, Yes. I'm a big fan of their brand. They're yeah. an awesome yeah. brand. And good, good planes, good people. There is nothing. Sorry, we spent a year in London quite a few years ago now because I'm getting old. When you get back on the Qantas plane on the way home, I was so sad to leave London. It was great. But when you get on, the Australian accent starts. They've got Peter Allen, still called Australia Home in the background. Horribly, horribly cliched. But man, it felt good. It was one of those kind of like, it felt like a bit of a home away from home in some mm. ways, which is kind of cool. And they're great service. I love them. All right. So Qantas was out this week with earnings. They were pretty good considering. And I, I know you're a big rapper about Alan Joyce. I'm a big rapper on Alan Joyce as yes. well. Um, I don't love airline stocks, although they've done reasonably well in the last five years. Um, but broadly speaking, anyone who can survive, let alone thrive, running an airline deserves our respect and, and shareholders' gratitude. He's done a very, very good job of, yeah. of getting the best out of Qantas. The fuel bill was up 19% last year. Earnings were about flat. So you, that's, you've got to do a whole lot of tap dancing to manage your single largest cost, being jet fuel, going up 19% and still being able to deliver reasonable earnings. It doesn't make it a great investment. You know, there are the best manager running a terrible business is going to probably do ordinarily. It doesn't mean we should invest in them. But they, as, as business people, they deserve our, our respect and, and probably more kudos than he's going to get, quite frankly. The, the big headlines go to the, are the ones who are getting paid the most or the ones who've got the fastest growing businesses. Sometimes as a manager, the measure should be the impact you had and what otherwise would have happened. Alan Joyce probably on the top of the tree on that one. I have nothing to add. I completely agree. Now to the... Um, <laughs> How should we say more volatile end of the of the travel market, mate? At least in terms of share prices this week. So, Webjet, Flight Center, and Corporate Travel reported earnings. Two of those fell by, I want to say, more than ten percent when they reported. Mm. The other one was up eight percent. The one that was up, believe it or not, was Flight Center, the company that was already on a P, as I'm sure you will happily rant in a minute, of eighteen times earnings, give or take. Uh, the results were ordinary, but not as bad as the market feared. Shares are up about 7 or 8%. Corporate travel grew profits at about 15-ish percent. Webjet grew profits at 40%. And both fell by more than 10% on the day. Um, I have a lot to say about all yeah, those I can things. imagine you do. So, I, <laughs> listeners, strap yourself in. Get, get Grab a comfy chair. Grab a drink. Uh, over to you, Doc. What do you think? So, okay, I'm going to leave corporate travel aside because corporate travel has got some short sellers and some short selling reports yep. and various other questions. And so, you, you I will actually declare up front before we get into it. I do yeah. own some shares in corporate travel, just to put that on the record as you continue to talk. Yeah, and and, and, and you know, so without going into that, and, and that's a debate. And then you one could make an argument either way: why the share should have been up or should have been down. Right. But now, if we look at <laughs> Flight Center, so a P of 18, mm-hmm. um, I, I believe they made 260 cents in EPS. Right. They made 257 cents in EPS, and I believe in 2015 or mm-hmm. something like that. Basically, from 2015 to, 20, more, that's good. 2015 to 2019, <laughs> the company went nowhere. <laughs> Well, okay. up a little bit. Oh. Well, so this is a company that went basically nowhere for many years. <laughs> it's selling on a PE of 18. Mm-hmm. Now, you can justify whether it's right or wrong, but, you know, uh, you can guess from what I think 
about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you think that's a little. Uh, well, it's very generous, but generous again, you know, word. it's it's generous. I mean, at the same time, maybe Woolies is at what 25 times earnings, so <laughs> its earnings are also not growing. So here's a company that's you know it's, it's good. It's generating a lot of cash. You know, people like it. People come through the door, but its earnings are not really growing. It's mm. got some headwinds mm-hmm. in you know strategy. You know, like what I would call maybe sector-wide headwinds and maybe some demographic shifts and so on, right? Mm-hmm. It's got some of the things that, it's got things like Aunt Betty and stuff which I've used which are great. Um, oh, you've used Aunt Betty, have you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to book so, on Aunt Betty and it gives you a good oh. deal sometimes. So Aunt Betty, for people who don't know, is their online-only booking service. They tried to belatedly, after doing suddenly being shop-front only, tried to go online and yeah. they haven't talked much about that. I haven't used it myself, but good well, to hear it's uh, working. You know, it, it, you know, it seems like on Aunt Betty, it seems like they book, they have blocks of seats that they book which they make available there. Sometimes you get a really good deal on Aunt right. Betty. Cool. That's what I found. Okay. Um, anyways, so uh, aside, so whatever it is, I think this is a company that, which is good, perhaps not great, mm-hmm. with, with earnings that are pretty average right now, at least in growth-wise. Um, you know, lots of cash flow and things like that. You, you can get a good dividend out of it. So, eighteen times earnings, maybe the shares go up ten percent, as you say. I don't know what people were cheering here, <laughs> but on the other hand, we have Webjet. Mm-hmm. Company growing earnings way more than you know double digits that people expect. Forty-one percent, I think I remember. Yeah, something like that. But let's forget. I mean, it's not been about forty-one percent, right? It's about the fact that this is a growing company which has grown earnings mm-hmm. several years in a row. Yes, it's got by a long way. By a long way, it's got B two B business. It's mm-hmm. got you know B two C business, um, and it's going to continue growing, right? It's got you know it it's it seems to have all what i would call um you know a growth push behind mm-hmm. it the nice tailwinds behind it well run, know, well run mm-hmm. nice operating leverage everything shares fall it's not even that expensive when i last looked at it on a trailing basis this is before i think the results came out or right after the results it was something like 21 times earnings 21 times Earnings and, and earnings are not fake earnings, EPS. <laughs> so, so. so this is a quality business with good growth, trading on a above average PE, but not an expensive PE by most measures if you look at the past growth and the expectations that will probably keep growing at a decent rate. Well, when you compare... So you compare zero growth with uh, with twenty percent plus growth with you know one is eighteen times another is twenty one times. I don't understand. And you're telling me you'd rather pay the uh, twenty one times. I would take the twenty one. <laughs> like if I owned both shares, I would immediately sell like Flight Center and double up on like you know Webjet. Because and that's just, the irony, right? So on the day of the release, they both released on the same day from yeah. memory. Yeah. Um, you would have done that, and that would have been a completely sensible thing to do. And you would have been about twenty percentage points worse off. Yeah, exactly, as a exactly. So, so that's my point. Right. I, you know, I was completely like, you know, I'm still taken aback on how that actually has happened, um, and I, I find that bizarre. Mm. Um, and, and as you said, it's probably in your neck. People expected more out of Webjet, but mm. I mean, you know, these the shares were not priced for like more, right? It was not priced at fifty <laughs> times earnings. It was not priced at hundred times earnings. You know, right, it's not right. priced at some ridiculous earnings. I've got more of that coming up. Don't worry. Right. So, so, so you know, when you consider that, when you consider that, you know, it's very reasonable to expect 20 times. I mean, it's, it, Woolies is more expensive. <laughs> I can't believe that Woolies is more expensive than Webjet. That is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't that argue with that one. So, that so anyways, yeah, that's my So it's, this was my most bizarre thing about this earnings season was this dichotomy of trade that happened. Do you feel better now? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, look, mate, I, as much as I'm, I'm laughing, I completely agree. I think, look, you know, we we know we've said before, and I'm glad we've said it already a couple of weeks ago, because at least hopefully you've listened to already for it. 
earnings season, as we like to call it, is, is more accurately known as expectations season, specifically because this is exactly the sort of thing that happens, right? It doesn't really matter so much how much money you're earning or even how much you're growing. It's all about the change in growth or the delivery of expectations versus what the market wanted and to some degree what the outlook looks like. So we call it earnings season. We probably should call it expectation season because that's got far more impact on what happens next. Even allowing for that though, I mean, look, I I can see why in some way, shape or form, the likes of, of Nine Entertainment Company, which we probably won't talk a lot about, but it was up 8% because it simply grew when the market was expecting nothing. Flight center, the market was expecting worse and it wasn't as bad. So that those two were the definition, I think, of relief rally to some degree. But it's very, very hard. Even if you were, even if you allow for those, and I, I have a feeling you wouldn't when it comes to flight center, but even if you allow for those, the fact Webjet fell so dramatically on the back of really, really good results for a very long time, and frankly, you know, more growth expected, that one is a little bit hard to and as you say, when Webjet is cheaper than Woolies on an earnings basis, uh, <laughs> We'll come back to we'll come back to what's actually going on. But suffice to say, it's a little bit weird. It is weird, mate. So let's go to something a little bit different. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple m. Back in the swing of good old days. Speaking of nine entertainment company, it now owns Fairfax. There was a time when the newspapers were the so-called rivers of gold, the classified advertising, the job ads, the um, classified ads, help wanted, uh, <laughs> the old, what, what were the, what were the, um, per, the personals columns where you put in ads for, you know, uh, love wanted or something else. They, they were where the money was being made by the, the newspapers. They were pretty much classifieds with a bit of news tacked on the front, a bit of sport tacked on the back. Those days are well and truly gone, usurped by the likes of car sales and seek. Also, realestate.com and, and Domain. But the, the former two reported this week, Car Sales and Seek. Domain, I suppose, is part of the nine numbers, so it did report as well. But we're going to focus a little bit on those two. It's hard to really... I, I'm, I'm, I Frankly, I was a bit impressed. Car Sales' uh, share price was up meaningfully. Seek was up a little bit. Um, and these guys are still doing really, really nice numbers for what otherwise you would assume is a mature business and and by all reports otherwise in a pretty flat to weak to morose economy um i don't know too many people and shares obviously rose as a result because not many people were expecting these numbers to be as good as they were given the challenges that we otherwise would assume they're facing so what do you make of either independently or together the seek and car sales results so car sales results i mean i <clears throat> You call them good. Um, I'm going to question the good part. <laughs> <laughs> Just because so, they're not growing at 40% doesn't make them good. No, you know no, that, no. Right? So here's the thing, right? You could, so they grew their revenue, what, 10 or 11%, yeah. something like that. Yeah. What I'm looking here is that, you know, they grew that, but maybe sacrificed margin in the process and mm-hmm. their earnings growth was actually 2% or 3% or something like that. So, so you can, in, in many of these companies, I think are still like Carcels, for example, I think overall mm. is still struggling. Mm. It, it pulled a few levers to grow. Um, but you see that I think the impact on the earnings per share, maybe that's that's my interpretation. So I mean, these are I guess good results in hard times. Even even I mean, so I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I would just to point out the good bit. I think if you can find enough people to pay you ten percent more for either a higher price and or more listings in this economic environment, I still think it's a pretty yes. credible result. Yep. Like just just to be able to simply take a dollar ten off people when you took a dollar last year. Uh, in this economic environment, I think you're right. Probably came with margin. I don't. 
I don't think it was, you know, it wasn't risk-free. It wasn't downside-free. But I think, you know, no, I don't know many people who would have expected this late in the game. Seek and Castle has been around for, geez, it must be close to 20 years now. Maybe it's not quite that. But these are pretty mature industries. When you're getting 10% growth in a classifieds business at a, at a top-line level, I just thought that was a that was a surprisingly good result this far into their corporate histories. Yeah, so I don't disagree with that part regarding car sales. I think great execution is what I I, I think. I, I I think their execution is awesome. Mm. Um, the results are okay. I mean, and then probably good maybe cons- considering the situation. Mm. Um, that was. I thought Seeks was actually better in my view. But um, yeah, like I mean, I think Seek is probably Seek has a little bit more uh, leverage in in mm. how it can actually grow its business. Uh, Seek also doesn't have as much debt, I think, as car sales does. Which and both also have international businesses, which I think is interesting here too. Yeah. So there is some sense of, uh, you know, I, I, we talk we talk a lot about on this podcast we do, but also also just in the general media and general investment community, we talk a lot about these spectacularly successful international businesses that, that often come out of America or Europe or the UK. I've been reminded this week a few times of just how well a lot of Australian businesses are actually doing. And they're not going to necessarily get the plaudits and maybe not even be the size and not even arguably the, the absolute quality of some of the international compatriots. But when the likes of a, a car sales or a Seek can deliver here in the face of, particularly in Seek's case, you know, the competition from the likes of LinkedIn and others, um, still manage to survive and even thrive and grow here and overseas, there's a lot going on in Australia that I think is probably underappreciated in terms of Australian companies doing pretty well in, in Australia and in the rest of the world that maybe we don't always, a bit of a, uh, bit of cultural cringe maybe we don't always see we don't always notice i thought that was pretty good result from both of them seek's case is a really fascinating one this is one of those ones where it kind of has run i don't always like a private company but kind of management are very clear this and look we're not worried about the short term we're going to keep investing so to the extent that that have a good top line and an average bottom line they are actively in, in this case of seek in particular saying look we're going to we invest all this money. We're going to go and spend all that profit. You're not going to see much of it. We're going to go and take all that money and do more things with it. Now, that brings risk with it, of course. But I thought it was a pretty good result considering you do have to, though, just take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm, I'm along for the ride and I just have to trust that management will give me some some return at some point in the future. They're, they're actively choosing to take on more risk with the aim of building a bigger and better business. Yeah, I think I, I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah, I, as I said, I think I like Seek over car sales. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're both executing well. I think that's fair. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. I have on my little run sheet here, believe it or not, listeners, this, is, this show is not scripted. We do actually put a little bit of time into planning what we're going to talk about, believe it or not. And I have here... On my fourth bullet point, Kogan, Coles, and Domino's. Before we do that, I thought we were going to do the buy, sell, hold on on the, on, on the previous ones. Oh, we can do that if you want. Let's do that. Okay. Let's quickly do that. All right. Uh, where should we start? We'll start with the travel companies. Yes. Qantas. Buy, sell, or hold, Doc? Hold. Okay. I will sell Qantas at the current price. What about, well, let's do the rest in alphabetical order, corporate travel? Hold. Oh. You're a hard man. I'm, I'm a buy and I own shares for the record. Flight center? Sell. <laughs> I will say buy. Buy with a with a possible downgrade coming. Webjet. Buy. Yeah. I, Strong I buy. I agree with you there. Well, uh, yeah. After that, after that share price fall in particular yeah. too. Man, I'm a buy on Webjet. All right. Then let's move to the classifieds businesses. Car sales. Hold. I'm a buy on car sales and seek. Buy. I'm a buy as well. All right, so clearly I'm the more optimistic of the group. 
Or maybe just the... Uh... I'm more cynical. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got through that. Thank you for reminding me to do that, by the way. So so that, that were the first three bullet points, uh, including just our general earnings intro. The fourth bullet point I have down here, Kogan, Coles, and Domino's. I kind of wrapped uh, these retail-exposed stocks together for us to talk about. And the time at the moment as we record this, just a quick peek behind the curtain, is 9.55 a.m. I make that point only because... Between the times, and this is news to you, between the time we decided to write, cover these three companies and the time we came to record them, an announcement came out to the ASX. From which company? And the announcement's from Kogan. And I reckon if I say to you, what do you think that says? If Kogan released an announcement to the ASX a couple of days after earnings, what would you speculate is happening, Doc? <laughs> uh, Russell and Kogan is selling some shares. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I don't oh, blame him for doing that. Me either. The reason I don't blame him is it is it, it is pretty common in the rest of the world <laughs> for the founder owners to actually sell down. Uh, the example I like giving is you know Netflix, which has been a great winner for a lot of people. The the CEO Reed Hastings only owns two percent of the company. So yeah. I I agree with all of that. I I completely agree with you. However. It sounds cynical about the timing. Well, the, well, I, I know I have a different view on that. But anyway, more, more importantly, well, this for this purpose, the ASX hates it, and every time Ruslan sells, the shares fall about ten percent. Yeah. So they closed yesterday at five eighty five, and I'm tipping by the time this goes this goes out <laughs> to our band of wonderful listeners, uh, our US podcast allegedly has dozens of listeners. So I will assume we have. We have more than that. Ones of listeners? Oh, more. more. Yeah. Scores? Why not? Scores? Well, yes, yeah, scores. Scores, scores. Many scores. The scores of listeners? That <laughs> won't catch on. And uh, apologies to Chris Hill, our, our famed and, and very accomplished US podcast host, to uh, come up with the dozens of listeners tag. Uh, we're going to claim scores and just copy mercilessly, except with a bit of a one-up. Anyway, back to that. By the time you're listening to this, I dare say Kogan's shares are not going to be as high as they were when the market closed on Thursday night. Um <laughs> Oh man, I like say, and let's go back to the the thing you the point you made about selling, mate, because it is worth addressing. Then we'll get to the companies themselves. I agree with you completely. I think the market is. Look, here's the thing, right? Australians, we 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 we're a bit of a split personality. Generally speaking, we tend to be optimistic. This morning, you're being very cynical, as I've mentioned. But so is the Australian investment community, particularly when it comes to some of these companies. And it, there's there's a lot of causation and correlation, and this is. We talk about psychological biases. We haven't for a while. We should do that, mate. We should do an episode on psychological biases at some point. Just list a couple of them and give it a That's a great idea. One of the psychological biases that people have is mixing up – I'm not sure if it's a straight bias or just a logical um, problem. Anyway, mixing up correlation and causation. Now, there's a uh, – well, I go on the tangent. Quick tangent. The inverted Massive yield, tangent. The inverted yield curve that people have been talking about recently – this is going to be short, trust me. Uh, apparently, after the last seven recessions – have all followed an inverted yield curve, right? Which is where, which we wrote this last week, didn't we, inverted yield curve? So if you haven't heard about it, I'm not going to do it again. Go back to last week's podcast. Basically, it's considered a predictor of a recession. Now, the problem is that the last seven recessions have all followed an inverted yield curve, but not every inverted yield curve ends in a recession. So the question of, you know, does it does it therefore follow that there's an inverted yield curve, there should be a recession? The answer is clearly no. Just because recessions happen every time there was one, does oh, sorry, Every time there's been a recession, there has been an inverted yield curve. Doesn't mean that one necessarily leads to the other. Now, uh, may I just remind people the number of samples on that is really small. Correct. Uh, moving back to, to directors selling then. There's the old story that directors sell for many reasons, but only buy for one. 
And this is the this is the real challenge, right? There's a the cynics out there will say, "Oh, management's selling. We've got to get out. Got to get out. Got to get out." Management, they know something's going on. We better they better sell their shares. Blah blah blah. I want to remind people, as I like to do on this one, that Marcus Blackmore sold some shares at thirty bucks of <laughs> Blackmore shares. They subsequently went to two hundred and are still trading at over sixty five or seventy as we speak to buy a boat. <laughs> and so those who would have said at the time, "Ah, oh, Marcus knows something. He's getting out before." Well, to finish that sentence in hindsight, the answer was getting out before the shares almost go up tenfold. Now, if you think Marcus Blackmore doesn't know enough about his business to be able to time his trades, what chance does anyone else have? The answer is mostly zero. Now, there are absolutely examples of, I won't mention any because I don't want to go to jail or be sued by anybody. There are examples of directors who absolutely will have known something was going on, have got out. Some of them, by the way, have been charged with insider trading for exactly this reason. Um, I don't know if they've been necessarily found guilty yet, so I won't mention their names just yet. But some have been charged with insider trading. They're no longer CEOs, by the way. Um, others, it just they just sell because they sell, right? To as Doc said, diversify their holdings, sell down, simply just because they want to, because they've got tax bills to pay. Millions of reasons. Buy a um, boat, right? Exactly, buy a yacht. Um, and so that you know, these things. In fact, the uh, CEO of Blackmore's, when Marcus was executive chairman, Christian Holgate sold to buy a house. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? Right. So look, you know, I, yes, do, do some directors or, or managers sell because bad things are coming? Yes, absolutely. Is that improper and inappropriate? Yes, it's also illegal. Um, most of them, I think, don't. And so just be a little bit careful about being too cynical here, right? Be skeptical, be thoughtful. Don't be cynical for the sake of it. So rather than selling, it's uh, the, you mentioned timing, mate. I think this is actually the perfect timing. The very perfect time to sell is exactly straight after the market has been informed of the very latest financial results that are available. You can't be any more transparent than that as a director. If he was to wait another month or two months, then he'd have another two months worth of information that the market wouldn't necessarily have. The, the single best time for you to sell as a, as, a, as a director or a CEO is directly after the market's had a chance to digest your results. I have a solution for all these problems. Shoot. Anybody who wants to sell and has a you know, plan for divestiture, I think they should they should be able to get into what I call an automatic plan. They, this is done. Idea. This is done in the U.S. Yep. a lot. This has zero controversy. You're Tell selling. me how it works. Yeah, well, you basically, you know, you, um, you know, a priori decide how many shares you're going to sell on mm-hmm. a schedule. Yep. And the, you know, every so often, every couple of months, the shares get sold automatically. So there's no timing involved. Mm-hmm. And you just you just get the cash. Regardless of the price, regardless Regard- of what's happening on the market. Exactly. And I, I prefer this over yep. any of this other disclosure based, you know, I'm going to disclose now, then I'm going to sell. There's, there's no fuss because people just, you know, because they're just selling mm-hmm. on a regular schedule. You just disclose that a prior and, and then you're done with it. I completely agree, mate. That's exactly how I would do it. I will say again, as I said, I don't think there's anything improper with a director selling, particularly now after the results. This is exactly the right time to sell. I have no problem with it being done manually at this point. I completely agree with you, mate. I think if, if Rosalind was to say, look, I'm going to sell down a quarter of my holding over the next three years in either monthly lots, as you say, or after earnings every six months for the next three years, whatever the numbers are. That would be the very, very best way for it to happen. It's just simply that, you know, should he have to? Maybe not. Is it the best case, best practice? I think unquestionably it is. Uh, plenty of people say, well, you should be able to have to hold the whole lot. I just don't think it's reasonable. I don't think there's any reasonable expectation. If I was running, you know, um, Philips Inc. and all of a sudden I was a billionaire, um, you know, it would be irresponsible for me and, and frankly, you know, for my family to not sell down, to not actually take some money off the table, just because no one deserves to have their entire financial lives so concentrated. We would never give that as financial advice to anybody, and there's no reason why a successful founder should be stuck with that either. Back to the companies. <laughs> that was a long... We've gone so far off the reservation on that one, I'm not even sure where we are anymore. Let's come back very It's all quickly. your fault. It's oh, totally my fault. It absolutely is, because I mentioned the Kogan share sales. <laughs> so separate, separate of that, 
before before this morning, and our completely our agenda was blown up a few minutes ago by by Russell and Kogan. And just for fun, mate, we'll still be recording this uh, podcast when the shares actually trade. So I'll check in a couple of minutes just to see how good our forecasting it, ability is. It says are. Uh, only down two point five percent or something. Like yeah, that. that's that's pre-trade indicative numbers though. It'll get mm. worse. Trust me. All right, um, <laughs> let's get back. You're to a it. cynic of person, Captain. No, no, no. <laughs> this, this one, no, no, no cynicism required. I know how this works. We've done it a few times already. Uh, all right, Kogan, Coles, and Domino's mate were out this week. The Coles numbers were pretty decent. I don't know if you've got much to say on that. Um, same store sales up two-ish percent. Total sales up three. A pretty workmanlike performance. Still struggling behind Woolies for same store sales growth. Um, that may well turn around. Hard to know. Lots of bushies and collectibles and God knows what being done at the moment. But a pretty decent result from a newly spun off retailer. So, you know, kind of a... They're never going to get the doc seal of approval for high growth businesses, but as far as running a, uh, you know, competently running a low growth grocery business, I think was probably a, a credible result. Domino's was an interesting one. The the company has decided not to give you more guidance from now. The problem was they'd given guidance before, and they missed almost all of that guidance. Um, earnings missed guidance. Uh, we had the number of store openings was about missed by about twenty five percent, give or take, maybe twenty percent. Um, they're supposed to open two hundred and fifteen stores, open one hundred and seventy five. So you call that twenty percent among friends. Um, so look, but same size still grew nicely. One of those things where I think Domino's probably a little bit too optimistic for its own good, um, not dissimilar to Mr. Musk, for example. Um, yet still delivering decent results anyway. Is this a is this a business in trouble? Is this one where the market needs to readjust its expectations? Uh, I'm pretty happy, frankly, that there's no one giving guidance. I think guidance is a terrible, terrible thing to try and give. Unless you're a, an entity, a utility, you probably shouldn't bother. But what do you make, mate, of, of Domino's results and, and kind of what, where the business is sitting for the future? Um, I think, you know, so I think the problem with Domino's is there's been this issue about its, um, you know, franchisees and things like mm. that for some time. So that has been like a cloud on them. Mm. Um, other than that, I thought the results were pretty good, actually. I mean, you know, the sales were up quite a bit. Um, online is doing really well. Um, you know, operating profit was up. Um, yeah, like, I mean, uh, there is there is the legitimate question of how much more can you grow in Australia. Right. I mean, they're pretty dominant. They are mm. at pretty every nook and corner that I can think of. Uh, international has been an opportunity, and they've been doing good. They, you know what's cool? I, I, I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of cool. It's kind of depressing. When you can take Domino's pizzas to France and Netherlands get growth, especially the, the home of Hawk Cuisine, right? And yeah. They, and you, you can even, and, you know, and in Japan, they're doing well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in sushi country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so... Uh, I think it's good. I mean, what I like to remember is that this is like this is this is like almost like a blue chip in that way, right? It's a pretty big company, right? Uh, in size, it's got international mm-hmm. yeah, true, true. Uh, international presence. It's got international earnings. It's got diversified earnings base. Um, as long as you pay a fair price for a business like this, you mm-hmm. know, and you hold it, mm-hmm. you're likely to do well. That's sort of the way I look at Domino's. Um, I'm I'm not sure. Sh- it used to report same store sales numbers in what, like high six or high sevens yeah. in the back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those were the five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. So I mean, I think those days are behind it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it is just impossible, right, to physically think that ten <laughs> percent more Australians are going to have more pizza. I mean, there's only so much pizza we can stuff, right? Oh, come on, mate. There's always more. There's like, there's, there's breakfast. There's lunch. There's brunch. There's <laughs> But but, still, but you can remember, like I mean, you know how much more pizza? Like I can get it. I get two, three. I actually, if, if this business gets a same store sales, which is basically looking at the same store base and then comparing with the same store base next year, if you can deliver three percent, 
that's pretty phenomenal in my, you know, like in my books. Mate, in the words of Creedence Clearwater Revival, how much pizza can we eat? We only answer more, more, more. Surely more is the answer. Yeah, I thought, I thought results are good. Um, <laughs> you know, again, it's this is an expectation sort of game, yeah. right? You, yeah. you pay the right price for this business. I think you're going to do well Is would be my take. Fair enough, too. Uh, while we're here, Coles, buy, sell, or hold? Coles, I actually don't know even what the multiple. What is the multiple okay. Coles? Oh, good question. We're supposed to do this in advance, mate. We, so we, yeah, we didn't, not, you know, right? Well, you know, this is, people are seeing behind the curtain in a, in a really yeah, scary way. Scary way. What's the multiple? I'm pressing, the, word, I'm pressing, the, I'm pressing the summary here. Scry, uh, pausing for 14.9, as I recall, Doc. Oh, okay. Well, it's cheaper than Woolies. Oh, mate. Everything's uh, cheaper than Woolies. So um, I would actually say hold. Oh, hold coals. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sell coals, mate, just to mix it up a little bit. I just, I just don't reckon you want to own coals. Uh, for the record, Woolies PE is 27. You're literally paying almost twice as much for Woolies Calls. I'll hold calls and I'll sell woolies. You would sell woolies, wouldn't you? I'd happily, I'd happily pair that trade just quietly. Short, short woolies and go long calls. Yeah. Um, all right, Domino's. I'd buy. You buy Domino's? Yeah, me too. I think, I think it's got long term potential. I, it's, it suffered a whole lot of hubris and it's been called out in the financial press probably for it. And well, I think a lot of the commentary in the press is just kind of gossipy rubbish. Generally speaking, on, on Domino's, um, to some degree, you kind of make your own bed in that situation. Um, the fact they're not giving guidance now is such a better idea. It just means there's no mad kind of, you know, uh, temptation to overpromise yeah. and all that kind of rubbish. It's just much is around 19. It's like less than $4 billion market cap. Right, you know, right, it's right. got some debt and stuff. But uh, I think, yeah, I think it's it's, a, it's at a point where I think I can get behind it. Right, right. Now, Kogan, yes. despite the share sale, we'll get to the share price in a minute. Uh, sales are up 12%. Operating profit up 16%, so pretty good result from Kogan. Um, now, 1.6 million of us apparently every year are active customers. Now, I assume that means we buy something from Kogan. Behind Woolies and Coles, that probably makes Kogan the third-ish largest retailer in the country, I would imagine. Is Kogan just a retailer now? <laughs> well, and, and Kogan is now the everything. What's well, kind of the it's point, the, right? It's, it's yeah. the everything store of Australia. Right, but that, well, that's my point, right? So I think... I don't know what other. I mean, probably Telstra and the banks, right? But put pull them out in terms of that's kind of just recurring stuff. In terms of the decision to go and make a transaction, is Kogan going to be the third biggest yeah, retailer in the country? I I think there's there are long legs to um, mm. Kogan's strategy of you know going on all these verticals. Basically, they're white labeling stuff of others, right? Yep. Taking a small cut. It's a pretty pretty nice um, uh, way to actually build a business, mm-hmm. right? And you have the same customer base that you're, you know, selling them now. Super, yep. um, you know, energy, right. uh, telco, yes. you know. So, so in fact, different. I'm looking at the presentation here. There is 15 <laughs> logos, all with Kogan at the top, and they've got retail, insurance, marketplace, energy, insurance, travel, mobile, pet insurance, money, super, health. Mobile New Zealand, which is kind of the same. Internet, cars, and credit cards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kogan totally has the opportunity to be the marketplace right, of, right. of Australia. Yep. And, you know, like, I'll make well, it... Internet's, uh, you know, space is free, right? There's yeah, no shelf space. exactly. And, and the, the thing I make, you know, people basically say that Amazon is going to, you know, run over stuff. And mm-hmm. I keep saying this, that I think, you know, Amazon has run over and won in the US. Yep. But, you know, it is hard to actually, every country, every location, every geography has its own little things mm-hmm. that work, right? And well, it's like it, Seek and LinkedIn in Australia, right? LinkedIn Seek and LinkedIn in Australia, like, you know, Amazon has, you know, has had a hard fight with Flipkart in India. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are many, many of these examples. And I think Kogan is a perfect example here of a company that knows how to fight mm. and win 
against you know Amazon the uh, the online you know juggernaut mm-hmm. right and I think you know the, their strategy demonstrates so I give Russell and Kogan a lot of you know credit for actually coming up you know being data focused being a company mm-hmm. that knows how to actually sell to Australians and sell his shares <laughs> and sell it, I mean, you know, like look you know Sorry, go on. he's go, probably don't, buying don't a plane let me, don't let me do it. maybe he's buying a plane I don't know <laughs> <laughs> if I had his kind of money I would probably do the same um, Kogan Air Maybe that's, Co- the new, Co- maybe that's the new vertical. Yeah, maybe it's the new vertical. But if he does that, I want some percentage of that. Um, uh, Russell and Kogan, if you listen to it, you know, maybe you should uh, of course uh, yeah, cut me a check. We are, we are the muscles and podcast of all of Australia's corporate elite, Doc. You know that. I, I do know that. So, you know, I, I think Kogan is executing brilliantly. Um, yeah, I, I like Kogan. So, uh, I will tell you before I ask you buy, sell, or hold, the shares in... Are down four point six two percent. Well, much the, better than what you would expect in the previous oh, thing. Previous pro, yeah, rounds, you're probably right. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> people have now gotten used to the fact <laughs> that Kogan is going to sell. Except Mr. That, well, Kogan is going to sell Kogan shares. So normally, four point six percent be a problem. It'd be a big fall, and it is. Yeah. Uh, just in, as you say, mate. In reference to the other ones, but it's probably a, a reasonably benign one. This uh, is a win. Are you a buy, sell, or hold for Kogan? Right? Oh, I'm a buy. Like yeah. you know, if you remember in the beginning of the year, we did some. We haven't talked we about those, you know. But Kogan was Good. one. That Am I losing? We, I think so. All right, let's talk about uh, it. Uh, but Kogan was one that we both picked. Yeah, we did. Right, yeah, and it has been a winning pick since yep, then. So yep. I, I, I like Kogan. Yeah, quality business. Um, as you say, mate, doing a really good job. I think, it, you know, it's 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 too tempting and too easy to call anything a mini Amazon or an Amazon clone. And Kogan isn't that. It wouldn't claim to be that. But it's done a really, really good job of kind of copying some of the best parts of the Amazon strategy. Once you've got a brand online that people will go to that has a reputation – you simply add more stuff, right? There's if you're going to go to Amazon anyway, well, while you're there, buy your book, okay? Then buy a record, okay? Then buy record. How am I going? I'm 1973. Um, you buy your CD, buy your digital download. You might grab a movie, then you might grab some garden furniture, then you might grab a shirt, then you might grab a you know piece of computer equipment or something. Kogan's kind of got the same thing. While you're there, while they've got you, they've got 1.6 million of us. Why not try and sell some insurance or a mobile phone plan or some superannuation or a credit card? It just makes perfect sense. I, I think not all of them will work, but other than other than the kind of opportunity cost of of the ability to sell something something else, you might as well try this stuff and see what sticks, right? It makes a whole lot of sense. And whatever sales and customer account is growing, you've got to believe these guys remain in the box seat. And I think Amazon will still win in Australia, Doc. I have a slightly different version to you, but I think Amazon will be a very credible second. I think there's more than enough room for two large online retailers here. So you 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 made Amazon a credible second? No, Kogan a credible second. I think Amazon will win, but I think Kogan will be a credible oh, I'm second. Oh, I'm going to go with um, Kogan winning and Amazon being maybe a credible second. There you go. I'm an I, 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 and I, and I, I, I hold Amazon shares and I have no do. problem in saying that I think Kogan <laughs> is probably going to win in Australia. Nice, nice. Value stocks. Stock market. Stock market. Index. Share market. This is Motley Fool Money. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's wrap up this earnings filled podcast with a couple of mailbag questions. Our favorite segment. Your favorite segment. Yes. Did you say buy or hold or sell for Kogan? I said I said buy. Okay. If, I, well, if I didn't, then listeners will know I didn't. They can rewind it and check. I think okay. I did. If I didn't, I'm a buy. Okay, cool. All right. Let's move. <laughs> Let's move on to the mailbag. Got a question from Philip. Philip says, Hi, Scott and Doc. Hope you're both enjoying reporting season. Of course we are. Love the podcast. Good man, Philip. Great. He knows what we want to hear, doesn't he? Yes. I don't know why these people still say I love the podcast. They must really love the podcast. They do. It's not like we would require it no, to answer a question on this podcast. definitely not. We're not that sort of people at all. Nope. <laughs> nope. All right, one question for earnings season. Here we go. This one for you, dude. With all of the tech darlings posting huge profits... 
and even lower to share prices, how much, if any, does the drop in the Aussie dollar juice the profits of these companies earning US dollars? Thanks and enjoy your weekend. So I like this question for a couple of reasons. So normally we talk about US companies and US dollars and whether we should invest in the US. In this case, Philip's referring to a whole lot of our corporate uh, software companies, in particular tech companies more broadly, who, because of their nature as being go-anywhere virtual products, often a decent proportion of their sales come from outside Australia. And right now, with the Australian dollar being so low, US dollars coming back into Australia are simply worth more than they were 12 months ago. So the question is really, okay, how much of this is legit? And how much of this is just, hey, guess what? We get to convert US dollars to Australian dollars at a much higher rate than 12 months ago. Um, And that stuff tends to even out over time. So, Jock, to what degree do you think the lower Aussie, stronger US dollar is unfairly or artificially or just a little watch out, inducing Australian tech companies' profits? Well, I think it's a very, very, you know, great question. Mm. And um, uh, Philip is right to ask this. So, um, yes, so it is like, you know, I think a lot of these companies gave guidance probably with a 75 cent um, Aussie, Mm. um, which is now probably at like 66 cents or Mm -hmm. something like that. So there's a, you know, there's a bit of a, (laughs) there's a a bit of a nice tailwind coming from that dollar. Um, and yeah, so the, the dollar being lower is juicing up profits that it is doing that. But that's an advantage in many ways, right? Because a lot of these companies actually have most of their R&D in Australia. Mm. So um, well, it's great when it's going this way. It, it, <laughs> it is, hurts when it goes the other yeah, way. Yeah. So it, it depends. I mean, many of these companies, this is the way I, I actually, earnings, this gives, this is relevant for most people who are focused on short term, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, gyrations and things like that. So there's a lot of, you know, surprise maybe coming mm-hmm. because, oh, the earnings are higher because the dollar is lower. Right. But over the long term, I mean, if these g- companies are playing this global game of, you know, domination in their sectors mm-hmm. or whatever their, you know, niche sectors might be, um, then then all you really care for is that, you know, the averages and the average probably, you know, depends on what your view yeah. of the average is. Um, I think that's right. But if you, just to play advocate for a second, at least in terms of some of the market thinking, if your growth of 40% in profits for company X, pick a, pick a number in a, in a company, if that growth in 40%, growth of 40%, you think, oh, great. So that's the growth they're getting. I can extrapolate that forward. I can afford to pay more for a company growth at that sort of rate. If it was only 20% in the constant currency terms, you kind of at least should be thinking as an investor, okay, I need to be careful how much I extrapolate this, how quickly it can grow, what sort of PE I'm prepared to pay, right? So yeah. I agree with you completely on the long-term stuff. It doesn't kind of matter. You know, 40 or 20% is a big difference this year, but really in the long-term, if they're successful and dominating or not, this year is kind of irrelevant. But on the flip side, if you're using a 40% growth, again, just to pick some numbers, and saying, geez, at that rate, they'll be dominant by 2022 and XYZ, um, and yet some or half or whatever proportion of that profit growth comes from currency, you actually might be fooling yourself into expecting domination from a company that probably isn't quite as quite as strong or quite as successful as it otherwise might look. That's a very good point. So, I mean, on, in the tech sector in general, in technology companies on the ASX, there are companies that are growing at above 50%. Um, their revenue rate, mm. um, the top line. There are companies that are also growing it at ten percent or fifteen percent, mm. right? So, I would look more carefully at the lower end of the spectrum, um, and how much of a multiple are you paying for those businesses? If you're growing earnings by, you know, growing revenue by twenty percent, and a lot of that is actually coming from mm. the yeah. juiced up, um, uh, the dollar, uh, it it can be a bit of a problem. I mean, if you've got growth rates in excess of fifty percent, the thing is that you know that compounds very quickly, and I, I and of course you wouldn't. 
assume that you know you're going to get 50%, but a, a company going at 50% is not going to immediately slow down to 20%. If it happens, then you really need to know why that happened, and maybe you need to re- mm. you know right, re- right. revisit your thesis. But right. if your company is growing consistently at 45%, 50%, that compounds very quickly, yeah. and then everything else becomes kind of a little bit of a noise. But yeah, 20, the 20% range, that's very different. And a quality company will show you constant currency terms too, right? Yes. They won't try and hide that stuff. By the way, there's an opportunity here too. It, the flip side will be if and when the Australian dollar strengthens and in maybe a few years, or it may not, um, you might see a 20% growth actually fall to zero or something close to that, right? A, a company might report all of a sudden 40% growth this year, but 0% growth next year. And both of those might be impacted 20% either way by currency. In that case, next year, there's probably a company that's going to hit, take a, a decent hit because of the currency going the wrong way. And that's probably also a buying opportunity. So I love the question, Philip. It's a perfect one, as Doc said. Um, just be mindful it can go both ways. Don't get overexcited this year and pay too much. By the same token, when we have the, the currency go against the international investor, don't get too despondent either. Treat those two imposters just the same as Roger Kipling would say. Um, it's all about the underlying value. And so, as I said, most companies worth their salt will give you a constant currency number because that's the only number that really matters over the medium and long term. Fair? Yep. Before I go on to that last question, Doc, it occurs to me that I haven't yet spruiked our social media handles. Handles is the word that the cool kids use to talk about their Twitter things. Twitter handle. I thought we have a handler for our Instagram handles. Hand- Do we-, we should have a handle handler. Yeah, why don't we have that? We should. Yeah. Let's have that when we get out of here. Okay. All right. You're going to make me do it, aren't you? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Are we the handle? Handle. I like that. That's a good idea. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, please do. On social, if you, I won't say if you can, feel free to get in touch however you want. We're agnostic and we're here for you, but social is more fun because we get to interact with you. So at The Motley Fool, are you on Twitter? Um, and by the way, at The Motley Fool, are you on Instagram if you're so inclined? Although... We're kind of not exactly cool Insta kids, are we, Doc? We have, a, we have an account that I do look after, but it's not it's not the best account in the world. I don't have an Instagram account. You don't? No. You're missing out. Is your daughter on Instagram? No. It's Facebook. Facebook? Yeah, we stay away from Facebook stuff. You'll, you'll be on Instagram soon. No. It's all the kids. All the cool kids no. are. All the cool kids. Anyway, at The Motley Fool <laughs> AU on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at TMF Scott P. That's me. And at Anirban Mahati. That's Doc, funnily enough. Uh, I'm not Anirban Mahati and he's not Scott Phillips, so that would make perfect sense. Uh, you can also email us if you want to, info at fool.com.au. Send us an email and our member service team will make sure it comes straight through to us and we'll get a chance to answer your question. Uh, we have plenty of them coming over the next couple of weeks. So if you haven't had your question answered, feel free to give us a nudge if you want, if it's been a while. Uh, but we've got so much earnings, we haven't got a chance to get to all of it. So hit us up on social. Tell us what you think, what you like, what you don't like, any questions you want answered, particularly earnings or company related. And then as we end earnings season in the next couple of weeks, we'll get back to our relatively regular programming and sort of see how we go from there. Is that enough uh, pumping of our social media stuff? Yeah. Like and tell your friends. Retweet, share, like, follow. What other things do people do on social media? Is that it? Retweet. 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 Retweet is very important. Retweet's important. Likes, retweets. Likes, yeah. And share our podcast with everyone. There you go. Definitely share the podcast. Yeah. Feel free to hashtag, what's your hashtag? Motley Fool Money? Motley Fool Money, yeah. Okay. Hashtag Motley Fool Money. Um, tag at the Motley Fool. You just, just throw it out there. Just tell some people. Why not? What is there to lose? I mean, sure, not all of you want to admit you've listened to this tribe, but some of you do. And if you do, we'd love you to let your friends know as well. Mate, <laughs> without further ado, because people are switching off, here's a question from Paul. Paul says, hi, Scott and Doc. Great podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Paul. I was interested last week to hear your thoughts of the high PE of Treasury Wines and CSL and your comments of being careful with something that high despite their good growth. 
it is still a buy on share advisor rather than a hold. Why? I also subscribe to another service. Sorry, I am a polygamist when it comes to stocks. Paul, that's, we don't want to hear about that. That's your business. Uh, and their fair value for CSL is something higher. Make it only a little expensive. Comments, question mark. Couple of questions there. So I'll grab the first bit, mate. I'll get you to grab the second bit. So firstly, uh, as Paul mentioned, here's a freebie. Treasury Wine Estates is a buy recommendation for us at Share Advisor. Um, we do like the company and like its results. Um, and Paul's referencing back to where he's talked about the the high-ish PEs of some of these stocks and, and why, you know, if, if we're worried about them, why are we recommending them and vice versa? The answer really, and Doc's mentioned this before, is it's all about future growth expectations. Now, the first thing I would say, Doc would always say, is we could be wrong. So, you know, there's, there are no guarantees in investing. There are no certainties. Um, you know, the answer might be in hindsight, we look back at this podcast in three years' time and someone digs it up from, a, you know, an archive somewhere and says, really, they thought that? And Treasury will either be up or down or sideways and someone will get to say, <laughs> Scott, you were right or wrong or maybe you were just indifferent. Uh, so the, that's the first thing. We don't know. Second thing is that the the future is what it's all about. I, In some cases, you've got to look at the business and say, does it have the ability to grow into and then past the current PE? Now, that's sort of a bit jargony, so let me, let me break that down. If you buy a company with a PE of 30 today, but its profits double next year, well, by next year, the PE is now down to 15, which is about market average. So that's a business that would be worth investing in. Now, on the flip side, you buy a business with a PE of 15 today and its profit halves next year, its PE shoots up to 30, and that becomes expensive. So what the PE is now is less relevant than what the earnings growth is going to turn the value of the company into over two, three, and preferably five or more years, which is kind of our investment horizon at the full. And we look at that and say, right, that's how we invest. That's what we're looking for. In the case of Treasury, I would actually separate these two. In the case of Treasury, Paul, in the growth it's getting in terms of both revenue and price is phenomenal. And remember, of course, if you can get price growth separate to just volume growth, in other words, so volume growth is you know, one bottle of wine this year, two bottles of wine next year, that's volume growth. Price growth is I'm charging five bucks a bottle this year, but 10 bucks a bottle next year, that's, that's price growth, obviously. The good thing about price growth is, generally speaking, it's not related to cost. And so most of the time, if you can charge more for your product, you don't have to pay more for it. And the difference is increased margin, right? So you buy a widget for a dollar, you sell it for $2, you make a dollar profit. If you can still buy that widget for a dollar, but sell it for three bucks, well, guess what? You've doubled your profit margin. So that with wine is really important. And Treasury thus far has done a really good job of growing both volume, particularly to Asia and China specifically, as we've said before, but also grow price really, really meaningfully. Um, really impressive. You know, some most companies are really scared of putting price increases through. They're worried about what their customers might do. A lot of time, by the way, that's justified. If you have a brand like an Apple or like a Penfolds and you get to say to your customers, you love me so much, you will pay 10% more for this thing, then you're on a really good thing. And I think Treasury is really well placed over the, you know, again, this is a long-term view, not a, not a medium-term or a short-term view. Over a decade, are there more Asian customers drinking more Treasury wines at higher prices? I think absolutely. And I think the PE isn't that demanding that over any sort of meaningful time, if I'm right, that'll well and truly pay for itself. So that's my view on Treasury. I'll flip that on CSL. CSL, my concern is just the sheer massively dominant size. I mentioned great Australian companies earlier. CSL is absolutely at or towards the top of that list of great Australian companies. Uh, we mentioned before the old Commonwealth Serum Laboratories back in the day, now one of the world's greatest makers of blood products, uh, immunization uh, Products, immunization products, mm -hmm. whatever you call. Um, you know that that whole that's a really really impressive business, right? The question though is now they're worth so many billion dollars. 
Can you imagine what what it requires them to what it would require them, excuse me, to do to double between now and whenever? Now, I just don't have that insight, right? And I don't think anyone does. I don't think even CSL can say we did 40 pick a number, 40 billion dollars in sales this year. We've got to double that to 80 billion dollars in 5 years time. What are the new products? What are the new prices? What are the new technologies? I don't know. I don't think anyone else knows. I think that's why I'm mindful of CSL of all things, just being a little bit careful at how much you pay for something like that. Just on the straight out question of you kind of go, I've got to say, look, I think it probably just maybe we'll find a way or you don't. My view personally on CSL is just, I've just never been really comfortable enough as a single recommendation of service. Uh, we have it in a portfolio service, by the way, um, so I'm not bearish on it. But if you said to me, look, you know, paint me a picture. You're, you're an investment analyst. You're an advisor. Your job is to show me or demonstrate to me your thinking as to why CSL can double profits in, say, five years' time. I just can't. I, I don't have, I don't possess the medical knowledge. I don't know if anyone actually has a proper, you know, maybe CSL does somewhere in a, in a vault somewhere. But you know, a real forecast to say this is what's going to happen in the next five years. This is how we go from X to Y um, in terms of sales and profit. And I just don't know how they get there. At a P of already 40, when it's growing at, was it 7% doc, I think, in the last financial year? Yeah. That is just a stupidly high PE. Now, they may well justify it. So I'm not suggesting anyone rush out and sell their shares. But again, to Doc's point, when WebJet's growing at 40% on a PE of 21, um, and you know, CSL on a P of 40 is growing at 7%, it, just does, it doesn't make any financial sense unless you believe somehow they can turn that 7% into a 20% growth regularly at some point. And again, if you know how that's going to happen, you have a good view, then by all means, buy the stock, hold the stock. For me, I just I just don't, I have no way of forecasting that. I've not seen anyone be able to put details against that sort of thing. So you kind of, there's, there's too much faith required for me for it to go from a lowish growth to a higher growth. Uh, and to maintain or grow that PE, I just, I just, it just feels like the risk reward is not in our favour, and that's why I've given it a miss. So that's a longish answer, Doc. Your thoughts on Treasury or CSL, mate? Um, CSL looks expensive. I mean, the problem with CSL is that it has always looked expensive. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> so uh, that's so true. There is like some market sentiment maybe attached to it. There's like a premium for high quality attached to it. I don't know. Like, I personally would not be going out to buy it in like at that price. Like, mm. I can find many other businesses to buy before I buy CSL. I mean, that's kind of my view. Um, if you own CSL and you owned it for many years, I don't know. Like, I mean, you've got, I guess, many other things to consider before you sell it. Yeah. Um, a little bit of tax. Yeah, maybe a little mm. bit of tax. Um, so that's my view on it. Treasury. I think again, you you hit the nail, right? I mean, um, if you can do volume growth, then you can. Put, put a price like having having a premium brand on wines is um, a desirable brand. You know these are things that people want to show off, right? You mm. know you like you know you feel good about it. You uh, you you know have a party and you you put the penfolds on the table, right? I mean, yeah, like I mean that that is really powerful and really strong. I like it. I mm. like the brand that the the brands that they carry. So. Um, I don't have a very strong view on their price because I've not really looked at it that closely. But I, I think the execution, again, you know, the Chinese growth, for example, is, is really solid. So, I mean, from a mm. business execution point of view, I think they're doing well. Uh, nice one. That's a good way to finish this off, I reckon, Doc. So let me ask, CSL, buy, sell, or hold? Hold. I'm a hold too. Treasury, wine estates, buy, sell, or hold, man? I'll buy. <laughs> Although I said that I don't haven't looked at price, but I think uh, I'd I'd go with your share advisor view and say, <laughs> <laughs> "You're a good man." 
Uh, feel free to join Share Advisor or Extreme Opportunities, by the way. Don't forget, we'll tell you a little bit later how you can jump on our mailing list. And when you do, you will receive not only some interesting commentary, hopefully interesting commentary from me and others, you'll also receive some of our marketing materials. So full disclosure, you will get marketing materials, uh, but you'll also get a pretty good chance and a pretty good price to join either Extreme Opportunities, Doc Service, or Share Advisor that I run, uh, both of us with our colleagues that make us look good. Uh, give us a go if you're interested. I think you'll probably find it useful. Um, if not, well, it's not going to happen. It's pretty good. You'll be happy. It's you awesome. Did. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> that, that's that's no promise under, under whatever trade practices laws or uh, Australian financial service laws. I probably should say could, should, would, and maybe. I make so, no promises. I just said the service is awesome. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I make no promises. <laughs> Even can we justify awesome? Oh, what's awesome? Like you know, like would just lawyers think, let us say awesome? Probably. Well, like you know, we are writing stuff which is awesome. It's, I think it's awesome. We're <laughs> all about the Lego Movie, mate. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. We're done. Yes. That wraps us up. But before we go, don't forget you can and should subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And if you like what we're doing, give us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends, share a bit of foolish love around because God knows we've got a lot to give. And there's a lot of people who could do with it, I reckon. We have lots of love to give. We're, we're lovers, not fighters. That we are. And as I mentioned before, you can subscribe to our free newsletter and some marketing. Get a dose of foolishness straight to your inbox, as I like to say, by going to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Triple M. That's it for this week's Motley Fool Money. Don't forget, we'll be back next week with the last week of earnings foolishness. Fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.